Ahoy mateys, this is A7X Fan Ben, and this is episode number 37 of the Pirate CSG podcast. Tonight I'm going to be talking about thoughts on optimizing less or not utilized ships, rules variants to get more ships on the table, a review of a scenario called Circle of Blood, and probably some other tangential stuff along the way. So I'm mostly going to be covering some different survey suggestions from the Pirate CSG podcast survey. A link you can find in the description or the post for this podcast to take the survey and give your own thoughts on what we should talk about on the podcast. So the first one is one I do find interesting and one I can certainly talk about with experience. Thoughts on optimizing less or not utilized ships. So this is definitely a problem that comes up because people like to just use the same ships over and over again because La Santa Isabel and the Dark Hawk 2 and the Banshee's Cry and the San Cristobal and whatnot are so good that the game isn't really all that balanced. One of the flaws of the game, you can use the same five ships in the fleet over and over again, or in a variation of a couple of fleets, and win uh, very often, maybe not every game, but, and then if you combine that with certain crew that are optimized or overpowered, such as Captain Jack Sparrow in the right fleets in uh, the UPS, Universal Pirate Shipping Strategy, you can win almost at will, not quite, but um, you can really dominate by using the same ships over and over again. So I definitely, I really vibe with this uh, suggestion. I don't know if this is what the, the person was dealing with, maybe an issue where their opponents always wanted to use the same fleets and they didn't. I know I've had that problem. So I'm gonna go over some, some definitely some ways to optimize less or not utilize ships and then, and some ways to use different types of the ships. The different suggestions here that I'm covering in this episode definitely tie together. So. In terms of optimizing ships that aren't as good, um, you, you need to have speed either way. So a lot of times, um, the lesser ships are slower ships. So S-speed, L-speed, sometimes even ships that move S plus S um, aren't quite good enough. There are some fast ships that aren't very good, uh, but usually that's an exception. So a lot of the worst ships in the game are just have S-speed. So helmsmen are pretty much always necessary. So that's one thing to keep in mind in order to optimize not utilize ships. You can't just, can't really just be like, oh, it only has a speed. I'm not going to add a helmsman just to be weird or just to have it go wicked slow. It's just, it's going to go so slow that it won't do anything and you'll, you'll actually regret it because you can't, you basically won't get any gold. You're certainly not going to catch any other ships. And there's a chance that the ship would not be involved in anything. She would never see a coin. She would never see a gunshot at her or from her own guns. So it's just kind of suicide in a way to not add a helmsman, especially to a ship with a base move under, in my opinion, on S plus L. In less competitive games or newbie games, you might be able to get away with S plus S without a helmsman, um, but I would recommend helmsman on any ship with speed less than S plus L speed. So beyond that, um, try to find a niche use for specific game pieces. So this one is a fun one. Um, so for example, one cargo and fast speed, you could do a scout explorer role or a crew with the S explorer ability, which allows you to um, mark islands with an S of the ship as explored without docking at them. So it's kind of like a scout role. This is not a great idea in uh, 40 point games, just by the way, but in, you know, 80 point games or more, and especially with multiplayer games where you might be playing for like four or five hours and like, you know, a six player game, eight players or even four or something like that. Um, the Dark Fox is a decent idea uh, for a role like that, S plus S plus S speed, only one cargo for 11 points, bad cannons, the feeder keyword, 
This is a much maligned ship and truly one of the worst American ships in the game. But with an explorer, I don't think... Actually, I think the Americans probably do have an ex-explorer. I think they're Dr. Clark Lewis, maybe. Let me look him up real quick. Um, kind of a funny inspiration from uh, Lewis and Clark, of course. Um, let me just peek at it real quick. So, yeah. Yeah, he's an ex-explorer along. And he ignores terrain, too. So that's cool. So you could put him on the dark box and have a nice scout explorer. And with the recent ruling that S-Explorers can be used um, during a move action, you could actually look at coins as well, rather than just marking the islands as explored. That's a decent idea for the Dark Fox. That would come to 15 points. So again, you know, 40-point games, you don't want to use points on that. But in a larger game, 80 points or more, for example, you could try a combo like that. Um, another one, a flotilla tug with surprise face-down crew, such as a canceller or a captain. This is another one that could apply to the Dark Fox. The Americans have a, have a flotilla called the Minuteman, which I'll pull up real quick. And it's an okay flotilla. So the reason I mention this one is because Dark Fox has really good speed, so you can tow the flotilla into play uh, quickly. And the flotilla needs a ship with a fast-based move to be optimized, because flotillas mean that you can't use uh, movement bonuses on the ships that are towing the flotilla. So a helmsman would be irrelevant. You wouldn't be able to use the bonus when you're towing the flotilla. Pretty much the opposite of towing uh, derelicts. So, so if you have the Miniman hooked up to the Dark Fox, 18 points, but, and then to make it really weird, and probably, this this would surprise um, even me, and I've, I've seen a lot in Pirates, but you could actually put the American Canceller in the one cargo space that the Dark Fox has. Diamond Nelson Turner from the Barbara Coast version, the LE Cardboard version, has the canceling ability. You could put him face down on the Dark Fox. I wouldn't expect anybody to think he's, you know, face down crew on the Dark Fox is going to be the, the one and only American canceling crew. I would expect it to be an explorer or maybe, a, I don't know, just some generic crew. I wouldn't want to invest points in the Dark Fox. This isn't necessarily the best idea, but if you did this, it's definitely a fun way to surprise an opponent. So you could have a canceler on this ship moving S plus S plus S. And with the Minuteman flotilla behind you. And like on the last episode, on episode number 36, I talked about you could use the American Cargo Master to put crew on the Minuteman to make her even more dangerous. So it's already a solid flotilla. Not a great one, just kind of quirky, I guess, compared to the other flotillas uh, in terms of her cannons. But anyway, so that's one way to optimize less or not utilized ships. So trying to find niche uses for specific game pieces is a fun thing to try to do. So that's something I enjoy. Uh, not everybody enjoys it. I think the key to enjoying it is to have, you know, have those ships in your collection. Everybody's got some stinker ships, but the bigger your collection gets, uh, I mean, it is true that the more, you know, mediocre ships you'll get um, and more kind of crappy ones you'll find. So, and of course, playing is essential. So if you don't play a lot or if you can't play a lot, you know, when you finally do play, you, you don't really want to use the worst ships in your collection. So, you know, playing more is one one aspect of this, I will admit. Um, so slow with high cargo. This is another classic one. Uh, this These are some of my favorite ships, actually. So ships that are, you know, probably S-based move, maybe L, but then they have good cargo. So for example, more cargo spaces than the ship has masts. So like a two-master with probably more than three, like maybe four or five cargo, or a four-master with five cargo, such as the Isabella, which I've got up on Ministry Trading which is also similar to the Concepcion, which I'll get up as well here. And with the miniature training search function, you can search for 
you know, part of a ship's name. You don't have to type the whole thing out, which can be useful, especially if you don't have an ent entire ability tag. Sometimes I use that to find an ability, actually, or game pieces with one ability. But these two ships are Spanish uh, treasure galleons, basically four masters. They've both got either S or L base move, 12 points, five cargo, uh, not great cannons. The Isabella's got better cannons, but she's slower, only S. They're both colorful, uh, red and yellow, kind of like circus ships is kind of how I consider them. Um, they look like a, they would be fit for a naval circus, if you will. <laughs> and they've, got, they've both got the plus two gold ability, which is one of the best abilities in the game. So although they're not great, um, I like to try to use these as um, maybe as like hybrid ships, especially the Isabella. She has solid cannons, the Conception, more of a gold runner, but they're both okay. Neither of these are bad ships, really, uh, but they're certainly not remotely close to what Spanish players would want to use in optimized fleets, like the Monarca, San Cristobal, Santa Isabel, Hoya del Sol is another four master. She's got eight cargo and SS move, so obviously these ships are totally put to shame by, you know, the overpowered Spanish ships, of which there are quite a few. Um, but slow with high cargo, I like to try to use these, for example, as home water hybrids. So that way they can get nearby gold and protect your home island. So if you had a captain and helmsman on them, they'd have three cargo spaces each. Probably not in the same game, but you could try to do that if you wanted to. And then you'd have protection from enemy home island raiders getting close to your home island. Um, you have general protection in your home waters in case of battle, in case an enemy like warped towards your home island with a whirlpool or something. You'd have a handy gunship right there to defend your home island or defend ships coming home. Sometimes you'll you'll find that uh, gold runners, the last leg of their trek is sometimes the most dangerous in case an opponent thinks that they might have the winning coin aboard, especially if they have a spire ability. Your opponent might find a coin on one of your enemy or one of your gold runners that has you know the coin that they need to win the game to get the the last gold or the to get the lead again then they might break break all hell loose and try to sink that one ship or capture her. So in that case, your gold runner might be getting in trouble right as she's trying to come home. Then a home waters hybrid would be a nice thing to have available. And then there's other uses too. You could try to use them with a navigator to try to increase the speed a bit. Navigators are kind of overpowered. I'm not a huge fan, but they're good in general because speed is so important that navigators are good used with fast ships or with slow ships. You know, navigators, a navigator in your fleet, maybe your home island or whatever on a cheap ship could help these home water hybrids, these slow ships that get nearby gold from close home islands. They could help them get gold faster. They could help um, catch threats quicker in case of like a home island raider or something like that. But navigators laying down trade currents could still help other ships in your fleet. So then you've got some flexibility with some speed there. That's another, another you could use with them and then of course you could also use them with the gold factory bonus strategy where you've already got the plus two gold ability um, let me just make sure I look up the right crew so the gold gold factory strategy is basically trying to get as many gold bonuses as possible to get plus one um, or plus two gold abilities on uh, multiple ships in your fleet usually so I'm just going to look this up right now. Actually, I think I just, I remember there's another Spanish ship you could use, La Saragoza. You could use that one with Dominic Freda. So this is another ship with only S speed, five cargo. This is a two master, actually. I did a miniature review of her. She's only eight points. She gets plus one gold uh, when she docks at your home island. 
uh, one of the ship's treasures. So the Saragoza could be used as a, not a home water tie bridge. She's not a, not going to fight realistically, but she could have Dominic Freda aboard. And then he gives the, the Ellie version gives plus two gold uh, to one of the ship's treasures. Since it's a different ability than the plus one, it does stack. Then you can get plus three gold on one coin. Uh, every time the Saragoza docks home at least one coin. So you can use that as part of a gold factory strategy where either the Saragoza might make multiple trips to uh, wild islands that are nearby because you want to use your faster ships to get to the islands that are farther away from you because they can actually reach them. If you try to send this, you know, La Saragoza to the farthest wild island, she's either going to be taken out on the way there or on the way home or, you know, she's just not going to get the gold from that island. An opponent's going to get it first. So, so you can use the Saragoda to get nearby gold. And that actually is perfectly combined with the, the ability because um, you could combine it with the plus two and get plus three on coins. And then if you're only getting gold near your home island, you might be able to make hopefully at least two trips minimum. So then that could add up to at least six additional gold with this combo. And then with a the helmsman, that'd be about 14 points for the ship and crew, for the Saragoza at least. So a solid idea. And then the gold factory strategy, even more commonly, is used when you have gold runners coming to your home island, and then you have like an interceptor, basically, a friendly interceptor, where the Saragoza would be the ship that um, a gold runner, a faster gold runner that has gold from other islands, uh, gets into contact with, and then... They, one of the ships is given an explore action to transfer coins, or at least one coin at a minimum, and then the Saragoza docks home and unloads a coin and gets plus three gold on it with this combo with Freda aboard, um, or just gets plus one or plus two, depending on the ship you use and what the bonuses are. So it's a good, it's definitely a good strategy. The only problem with Gold Factory strategy is it takes a long time, so you can't really, usually you can't afford to give... Um, have two ships stationed at your home island or right off your home island and be, you know, transfer one coin per turn. So it takes a while. So a lot of times you get interrupted. Somebody will attack you or whatever because um, they see the bonuses starting to pile up. But you can also use this strategy with Captain Jack Sparrow, of course, one of the best ways to win. But anyway, that's much more competitive. So I'm going over, you know, less optimized ways here to, to win using um, not not utilized ships, of course, based on the survey suggestion. So, yeah, so there's there's a bunch of Spanish ships with the plus plus one, plus two gold abilities, and a bunch of them are slow. So that's that's kind of the gist I was going for. Um, keep in mind that your competition will not want to dumb things down. So people like to win and often use the same overpowered ships all the time, like I said at the start. So have realistic outcome expectations and propose Alternative game ideas like make the worst fleet possible pass to other player to get lesser ships or crew into action. So people just want to win, so they're not they're not gonna wanna be like, oh yeah, let's let me use let me use La Saragoza today. They're not gonna they might not wanna do that. They don't necessarily wanna play the way you wanna play. They're gonna use La Monarca for the same cost, probably. So so you could propose alternative game ideas that kinda you know, they still have to accept it, but they it could force them into a fun situation where they, they finally get to play outside the box and do something new for once in their games. So that's one thing that uh, people have done in the past, and it's one of the things on Cat at Captain Mike's random setup tables where you make a really bad fleet and then pass to like the player to your left or whatever. So in that case, you could include La Saragoza, which isn't 
I don't think she's as bad of a ship as um, a lot of other ones, but you could make a suboptimal fleet, pretty much the worst you can make, and add like unnecessary crew, or just name crew that in general that don't usually get used, such as uh, Miguel Marquez Antonio, for example, who I'll look up real quick. This guy's a 10-point crew that allows you to look at a gold on, I think, Wild Islands, and then you can steal. Let me just see. Oh, wow, there's a lot of... Oh, gosh, it's because of the because of the link. Sometimes the miniature trading database has... If a crew links to all the ships, sometimes the name pops up on all of them, even though it should only be on the crew linked to all Spanish ships. Anyway, Antonio is not one of them, though. But So he allows you to look at treasure based on treasure on any ship or island, then he's got the home island rating ability of these 10 points, when he should be about 5, for example, potentially. So or four even. So basically, it's way overpriced, so you can include him in like a worst fleet possible fleet, and then your opponent has to use crew or ships that they've never used before, and maybe even ships or crew they've never seen before. So not only would they be using uh, not utilized ships, they might be using stuff from your collection instead of their own. So that could be a fun way to change things up, without a doubt. And then you could kind of swap your collections a little bit and get more experience with alternative game ideas so that's definitely a good idea to change it up um sometimes you just have to force it because without you know telling them that you're going to be using suboptimal ships and crew you know they're just going to trounce you if you if you bring a lesser fleet and they don't you know it's just it's probably gonna lead to a lopsided game it's not a lot of fun i've had that happen a few times and uh it's kind of predictable so once in a while you might be able to pull pull off an epic win sometimes, but uh, more often than not, you know, the, the unbalanced game pieces are going to prevail over, you know, your gimmicky stuff or your suboptimal ships and crew. So, <clears throat> and then other than that, final suggestion, just make the game size bigger. So if you have 80 points, you could spend 40 on, you know, San Cristobal and Monarca with crew, and then 40 points on, you know, some weird gimmick or some, you know, you could do a home island gold factory strategy with the final 40 points um or if you do 150 points you could you could have like you could still have a bunch of good gold runners for like 30 or 40 points um use good stuff and then but then use the vast majority of your points um to make some weird combos to do some linking options use ships and crew you've never used before so i know sometimes it gets time consuming to play larger games but I always recommend it because it's it's usually more fun. I've had my most fun playing pirates almost always in the larger games. So I would definitely recommend increasing the build total. Then you've got more points to use on gimmicks and what I call suboptimal experiments is what I wrote in the in the podcast doc here. So an experiment, for example, could be loading up a ship with fire shot, exploding shot, fire pot specialist, and then seeing how many hits you can get <laughs> to send an enemy, enemy ship completely ablaze. Or use like a home island rating fleet where like every ship in your fleet, whether through the abilities or you know, ship ability or crew abilities, every ship in your fleet has home island rating on it. So that you could every every ship would be a threat to your opponents. So that would be a fun one too. Um, and then of course just you know experimenting with round earth, flat earth, increasing the number of coins on wild islands, stuff like that. But that's more general ideas. So let's get to the next survey suggestion. Um, which is rules variance to get the ships on the table. So that's kind of what I was getting into. Um, <clears throat> so require a specific base move. That's one of the. That's one way to do it. 
Uh, again, you, sometimes you have to kind of force it, but in terms of the rules, that is one way to make it work, is to force everybody to only use ships with a speed of S or L. So that's what happened in uh, Captain Nemo's uh, Challenge of Snails Fleet Challenge. Uh, this is from 2011, but basically you can only use ships with S base move, and it says no helmsman. That's optional. You know, you don't have to do exactly what the fleet challenge says. Uh, it's long over, but but you could you could require people to only use ships with a specific base move. You could also go the opposite way and require them to only use ships with S plus S plus S base move. Um, but then some people might not even have enough ships to to use in a in a fleet of, at a specific point value. So, or you could do a mix. So maybe especially if you're with newer players that have smaller collections, you could require base moves no faster than L, and then still allow Helmsman, for example, something like that. So, you know, some some great ships like HMS Titan might sneak in, but but other than that, you know, you'll probably see some some suboptimal ships, or ships you haven't really used before. So rules variants to get ships on the table, that's one way to do it. Definitely think about this stuff before, obviously before building fleets, and before, probably before even like, you know, the game night happens or whatever it is before you get to the table. Because your opponents might not know, so they might bring Sam Cristobal and not much else. So it's good to you know warn people in advance if you're trying your best to get alternate rules in play, or maybe maybe you could suggest it at the end of one play session for you know for next time. Hey everybody, we're gonna we're not gonna use any ships faster than L for the next game. So for example, so um, and require all. Oh, this is a fun one I thought of. Uh, require all cargo holds to be full during setup. So what I mean by that is you can't have, when the game starts, you can't have any ships that have any open cargo spaces anywhere. So if a ship has four cargo, it has to be full with basically crew and equipment when the game starts. So it's, it's weird. It, it basically forces you to use a lot of crew, which can be fun. I find crew setups to be fascinating. And the more crew I use, sometimes the more fun I have. Or, you know, it gets more complicated. And uh, it forces you to use a high percentage of your uh, total build points on crew, which not only makes ships faster, but it because you're probably put a helmsman on all your ships, most likely. And it also makes ships more dangerous, because you're probably going to put captains on not only hybrids, but maybe gold runners, too. So it makes this, the game more exciting, um, a, little more, a little more crazy. And it's a fun dynamic, because it forces players to make trade-offs on when to dump crew. So even though your ships are full... You could dump the crew on your home island right at the start. For example, a gold runner, you know, you don't want to sail out with all the crew, so you might dump them at your home island using the free transfer rules uh, to, in order to sail out and then get gold with an empty cargo hold. But then you might be wasting points on those crew, so you might want to bring them along. But then if you, but then if you dump them on wild islands, uh, that would make them accessible to other players. So then they might get a sack captain. Um, this would. The only problem with this is, um, well, not the only problem necessarily, but one con of this idea is that it exacerbates how overpowered stack already is, which I talked about last episode. Um, so if you if you if you get a gold runner and then you go to Wild Island with the crew still on the ship, you'd probably have to dump some, at least some of them, if not all of them, on the island, and then but once they're on the Wild Island, enemy players can pick them up. So if you dump some crew like explorers or or even helmsman or oarsman, of course, another player could come along with a sack captain, pick up those crew, and then sacrifice your own crew to go and catch your ship 
it just dumps them to to sink your ship or something. So so it's an interesting trade-off. Or of course you could go with a total war all combat strategy where since you're forced to have your cargo holds full at the start of the game, you could have only combat crew. So Captain World Hater, Helmsman, and you know, just can't there's tons of combat crew, uh more so than gold running for the most part. So SAT and Cannoneer, Musketeer, Shipwright, you just load up on tons of crew and just go all out and try to attack the other players and not really even worry about gold, which probably won't get you the win, but depending on how many players there are and how effective your fleet is overall, you could definitely try to make that work. So that's a fun one. Um, that's one I like. I've used it before. Similarly, you could also require ships to be full in terms of points. This one is even more arguably even more intense, where if a ship costs 15 points, the rules dictate that you can't have more than 15 points with a crew and equipment on the ship. But what if you were forced to have all 15? So if the San Cristobal is 17 points, you have to start the game with 17 points of crew on the ship. And that would apply to every ship in play at the outset of the game. So that's another fun one to try or to experiment with. It works better, you know, once you have a little bit bigger collection, because you might not have the name crew to get all your ships to a certain point cost uh, to fill up the point limit or cap. Um, but it's a fun one to try out. So those two are fun ones I've thought of that I that I had a lot of fun with. Um, another one, require each player to use only ships and named crew that they've never used before. So for starters, look through what you've never punched out because you probably have ships and crew, named crew especially, that you may never have punched out of the card. Um, not that you need to necessarily for crew, but if you've never punched out a ship before and you've never used it, of course, that could be a fun candidate to try out sometime. So this is a good one to, once again, change up people's expectations, force them to not use the same overpowered fleet over and over and over again, because uh, I know how annoying that is. So require each player to use only ships and only name crew that they've never used before, ever. So... Um, and then another, another suggestion, or a pure faction fleet from a faction you've never played before. So if you always use the Spanish and the Jades, maybe, you know, get out your Corsairs for once and, you know, not use any Spanish or Jade pieces in that fleet. So, or just go completely bonkers and use like an all-submarine mercenary fleet in like a casual game. So, good ways to have fun, change it up, make people use, you know, different ideas for once. So, uh, and then... There's also a Fleet Challenge Archives thread at Ministry of Trading that I have up right here. Uh, this was started by Lord Denton, and then I've uh, continued it and optimized it over time as well. So this one has all the Fleet Challenges at Ministry of Trading, or at least most of them, hopefully. <clears throat> so basically the reason I suggest this is most of the Fleet Challenges at Ministry of Trading require, uh, you know, restrictions. So you can't just, most of them are not just basic 40-point fleets. So, for example, 2010 UT Fleet Challenge by Wolf. So this one, basically had to use, um, you basically had to make a UT combo in a fleet. Um, so that's one example. The Challenge of Snails is another example. There's challenges where you have to use only game pieces or only ships with, like, animal names. Um, like the Dark Fox would apply, for example. Um, and then some of the newer challenges, like Large Fry Fleet Challenge, you can only use five masked ships. So there's a lot of great ideas in that in that thread, of course. Tons of great fleet challenges over the years. So look through the fleet challenge archives to find fun restrictions. Then you can play around with that. Once again, just uh, just try to remember to 
if you're playing with, you know, a physical game, just tell people, you know, maybe the game night before, ask them if you want to, if they're willing to try out, you know, using only ships with SBF move or some kind of other restriction. So then you'll know what to bring next time or, you know, if they make their fleet in advance to save time. So finishing up the podcast, I'm going to look at the Circle of Blood scenario by Riz, who's been a longtime member of Miniature Trading, also at the Facebook group. So this one is a cool scenario I've played a few times. So, <clears throat> so I'm not going to go over the whole thing. I've got links in the description, the post, of course. So it's generally for a 100-point game, and um, it's, it's just like I said. So it's Circle of Blood. So you set up, um, you set up a ring of islands. So you've got eight wild islands um, on the outside. They're not necessarily wild, but they start wild. So all islands start wild. So you've got a ring of eight on the very outside. I usually, when I've done this a few times, I've played it twice. And it does take a while because it's a 100-point setup, and there's kind of, it's kind of an elaborate scenario setup. But I'm covering it because some people wanted more ideas on game scenarios and setups and like alternative uh, game ideas, things like that. So I wanted to go over at least one specifically. So you've got eight wild islands on the outside ring, and then you've got multiple rings inside of that. So in between each of the eight wild islands is part of your fleet. So you actually start with your ships not docked at any islands. So the first island you explore, um, I think, is your your home island. It becomes, yeah, the first island each player explores will become their new home island. All going on that island is automatically theirs. So, and then on, so that's, that's around the outside ring. So you've got eight wild islands on the outside. Parts of your fleet, you know, ideally it would be equally distributed. So you'd have, like, if there is a two-player game and you had four... Sec four parts of your fleet split up, you'd have 25 points or close to that in general. Or you could maybe, or you could do the opposite and have it all in one spot. I guess you could do that, it's just kind of not really how the scenario is laid out. But you know, it's fun to change it up. So you've got your fleet and eight wild islands on the outside. And then, and then the green on the picture, of course, is terrain. So you've got a ring of eight terrain inside the outer ring of eight wild islands. And then the innermost ring is basically four more wild islands, optionally with forts on them. So you've got NPC forts that fire at any ships that come close, that get in range. Um, you've got those on the innermost four wild islands. And you've got a piece of terrain in the very middle, maybe like a whirlpool, for example, or not. And then you've got the white, which is, uh, I believe, the sea creatures. Yeah, so not only are there neutral forts on the innermost four wild islands, You've also got, in between those wild islands with the forts, or optionally with the forts, you've got four um, neutral sea creatures as well. So you could have squids or serpents, things like that, that stay submerged and then attack. So it's a fun idea. And um, after both players take a turn, then the creatures get a turn. Each player, as the creatures get a turn, roll a d6 for each creature still alive. Compare this number to a fog bank in play. Creature will move its full move in the direction rolled. If it encounters an island, iceberg, reef, or sargasso sea, it will stop moving until its next turn. Ignore fog banks for creature movement. At the beginning of a creature's turn, if any ship is within any attack range for the creature, uh, instead of moving, it will attack that ship, or the closest ship, if more than one is in range. It will continue to attack the ship until either one is out of range, destroyed, or another ship moves closer. So, it's definitely a fun idea. I've played it twice. Uh, I've got 
at least one of the battle reports up on my site, which I got a link to as well. I played it on Vassal um, with a couple of people last uh, summer in August 2017, and it was a it was a fun game. It was decent. Um, I eventually won by a score of 85 to 81. So it was a fun, high-scoring game close at the end. I played it pretty well, and um, it's definitely a fun scenario to use. So I thank Riz for give credit to Riz Bloody for coming up with that one. Kind of a classic, definitely, definitely one I like to think about, and I definitely want to play it again. And there's various ways you could you could change it up, do a four player game, maybe eight players would be fine. Each person's fleet could be be only in one spot between each of the wild islands on the outside ring. So, and the forts are optional, the creatures are optional too, but they definitely make it more fun and kind of, you know, they play on the theme, the circle of blood, because it does get chaotic and messy. So, anyway. That's going to be wrapping it up for this podcast. The question of the day is, how do you get lesser ships and crew into action? If at all, of course. Maybe you use um, really competitive fleets every game, which is fine. But if you don't, how do you get lesser ships and crew to action? Do you just, you just use them and see how it goes against opponents um, that might be using better fleets? Have you won using lesser ships? But any other ideas that you use to get lesser ships and crew onto the table, onto the ocean? would be fun to talk about, so could provide good food for thought for other people going into their games if you've got better ideas than the ones I mentioned here. So feel free to answer that. Um, and beyond that, this was uh, Pirate CSG podcast number 37. So this is A7X Fan Ben signing off for now. <laughs>